So I think that's the stronghold of Danish design, actually, uh, as it is now in 23. That's the way we can communicate and have this conversation. And 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 that's sort of a process thing more than a physical product. Welcome to The Sociable Kitchen, a podcast by Quick. I'm Julie Broberg. Thank you for coming with us on this journey through Danish design. One of the things that came up again and again in my conversations was the notion of co-creation. And what is co-creation, you ask? In a way, it's a collaboration. You invite a diverse group of people with different knowledge and talents into a room and everyone contributes to solving the task at hand. Everyone's unique perspective is taken into account and the solution is thereby co-created. Co-creation is something that Danish design and Danish culture in general are very good at. One of the best known examples is Lego's Ideas platform. Anyone who wants to can build a Lego set, upload it to the platform, and suggest that Lego make it as a real set. If they can gather 10,000 votes for their idea, Lego will consider making it. This way, Lego has gotten ideas for sets that they would never have come up with or pursued on their own. And in return for the great ideas, they share the wealth with the person who suggested the set, giving them part of the revenue. This has resulted in cool smaller sets like the space-themed exosuit by Peter Reed and the Research Institute Promoting Women in STEM by Ellen Kuijman, as well as more famous sets like Central Perk from the TV show Friends or The House from Home Alone. They all exist thanks to co-creation. Lisa Thompson from the Confederation of Danish Industry told us about how Danish design giant Bang & Olufsen uses co-creation in their design process. I actually made an interview with a, a designer from Bang & Olufsen. First, he says that Bang & Olufsen is the only sound company in Europe that is uh, on its own, that still owns themselves. It's not a part of a huge of Japanese big uh, concern oh, or something. Right, okay. It's a, a, They've stayed yeah. independent, yeah. They are independent and that's because of design. Right. And yeah. then he described the design process as a process where everybody is part of this process and everybody is asked. So they will contribute. And that means their, everybody like, within their company or yeah. how? Or, yeah, within or the, this process will contribute to create the best product okay. ever. Okay. And <laughs> they will not stop until everybody feels like they have contributed with the best they can. Amazing that Bang & Olufsen sees their design process as a big part of what has helped them remain an independently owned maker of high-end, quality Danish design sound products. It also results in some very beautiful Danish design. But let's have a look at another kind of co-creation project. Trappelt Museum of Modern Art and Design in Kolding has a reputation for doing ambitious co-creation projects. Artist and weaver Astrid Skipstil created one of these projects for Trappelt last year. It's called Data Mirror. The project invited the public to use their Facebook data to create an embroidered snapshot of what it said about them. Astrid chose the overall color scheme and created a model that combined weaving and its principles with the data and then more than 600 people got to work on their own online data 
transforming it into cloth and thread. You really invite people into a process and make and make them an important part of the initial exhibition that's going to be in the end. But the process is actually the project, right? I mean, it's uh, it's the way we meet each other and and explore um, explore. I mean, in this case, it was our our data and how we can combine that and talk about that and learn learn something about this whole um, part of our world that data is, um, but doing so through our craft. So, so somehow uh, making that data tangible, making it tangible, and also uh, talking about it uh, through a language of craft where we are, at least this group of people participating here, they had craft as a safe space and uh, something that is well known to them. And also combining it with uh, the data language uh, and both the embroidery and weaving, which we used in this project, it has like a binary language. I mean, the loom was a computer before there was a loom, <laughs> before there was a computer. I right. Mean, yeah, true. Yeah. Um So we already know this this language. Um, the so the we don't zeros have to, and the ones. The zeros the, and the ones, uh, and, yeah. and we have the right to to have a voice within this technical world. A lot of people wouldn't normally have looked at these personal data and actually um, given it like even they. It, it would be it's something that you you feel repelled from almost. Right. And But you, here yeah. working with it uh, also together in this group. Where it was safe to say, I don't know anything, <laughs> but we're exploring it and we're <laughs> learning as we go along. Um, and um, it also, also in order to be able to be part of the conversation in general and say, hey, I have actually talked, I've actually looked into my own data. I have embroidered them. Now I un- understand them like this. It's also looking at what were the interesting data? Yeah. What actually can I recognize myself from from these traces that I leave But I think what what was most important was for people to to have the experience of I have a right to say something about this topic, mm-hmm. and I have a voice, and I have all these amazing skills within crafts and textiles that is a language to talk about this topic. So that was what yeah, the project was, was also great. about. And it Because was like, co-creating yeah. is not about like just having everyone do what they want to do. No, no, for <laughs> you need sure to not. have yeah. a framework. Uh, in order for it to actually also in the end become like the, for this process to become a work of art. And the result of this co-creation between 600 individual stitchers, more than a dozen weavers and Astrid became a textile work of art that was a meditation on the data traces we're all leaving in the world these days. All those zeros and ones made tangible in thread, a real data mirror. Textile design may be seen by some as a lesser facet of Danish design because of its roots in craft. But think about how important textiles are in furniture design. Think how essential the textiles used on Arne Jakobsen's egg chair are to the design, even today. It seems rather unfair that textile design is sometimes discounted as textiles are absolutely essential to the aesthetic of furniture or lampshades or accessories. Even just imagine the tea towels you choose for your own kitchen. You no doubt choose them to complement other aspects of the design, introducing splashes of color or patterns that lend personality in your kitchen. 
In this sense, you're part of co-creating the design of your space in the choices that you make. But let's get back to our conversation with Astrid. Data Mirror isn't the only co-creation project that she's been involved in as a textile artist. Much of her work is a collaboration with other artists and people from other fields of study, like anthropology and even mining. I'm currently exhibiting at the Design Museum in Copenhagen, where we have this exhibition called Rocks of Greenland, which is an anthropologist. She has done research in Greenland, in gold mines and ruby mines in Greenland, and okay. working with what happens when we uh, when we take the natural resources out of the ground and out of the mountains, and what happens with people, with politics, with nature um, in this process. And that's just incredibly complex. Um, but how how do you weave with rocks? Well, you can't weave with rocks, but, but she but she. Uh, <laughs> She's really good in the way that she she likes to have her research become physical. Right. Uh, and she gathered a lot of objects from these mines, like over the years, a lot of tools and working gear and and clothes and helmets and, and all these and, all these yeah. objects. Um also samples from the mountain. You have these drilling samples where you drill for the gold. Where is the gold actually? So where should we Like a core sample? Yeah, your like core, they take core samples core, of the rock yeah, okay. where you can see the beautiful layers of right. the rock and the colors. Yeah. Uh, and everything, when you gather things out of a mine, everything is really dirty. <laughs> There is sort of this rub off of uh, both like the mountain that's been blown to pieces and grinded into almost like flour <laughs> in order to right. get this gold out. Everything is so dusty and so uh, dirty. So both like the nature and the... And the people and the tools, they sort of rub off on each other. I mean, and they're all sort of clean it, afterwards. It makes everybody... Do- <laughs> okay. There's like this rub off of materials and there's one story there. Um, but she wanted me to sort of, can you, can you weave this process? Can you weave this mountain wow. so that we can show it together with all these objects from the mine? And then also uh, with Nikolai Apple's jewelries that are made from Greenland. Which is like the, gold. the, the, yeah. the crown that... The, yeah. yeah, but we didn't Burning as much want to talk... We, we didn't want to talk about actually the, the jewels and the rubies as much as the process in order to get to, to get that. them, yeah. Um, so then it becomes my job to sort of do that. And can you weave the inside of a mine? And you can weave anything. <laughs> Wow, okay. You can weave anything. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's, I, f- I feel that's true. Um, so what I what I did, and this was also, of course, a long process, and I went to visit uh, Natalia, the anthropologist, and, and her um, piles and piles of stuff, and to go through that and find inspiration. So how, how do we actually do that? Yeah. Um, but what I ended up doing was sort of combining the mountain i could see these core samples of the rocks, like because I can't weave with that. No, you can't weave with a rock. No, no, but you can. But they're you can sort of. Are the, they round? Are they? Are they're they round. They're cylinders and long. Yeah, yeah. long, um, but not that long. No. Okay. Um, so I t- I took the colors and like these uh, layers in the rock and, and the lines there, so, yeah. and, uh, and translated that into textiles to, and found material that sort of had that same quality. That same kind of dryness, dustiness, okay. yeah. 
Uh, I used a lot of spray paint on my yarns and on my warp in order to get this. After or before you? Uh, in the process. It. In the process. Yeah, before okay. weaving, so that I could get this, like the the the, the right feeling the of this dusty, the, chunky yeah. mountain rug, but also the beauty of it. Yeah. And then on the other other hand, I had these, uh, all these textiles, these leftover. Um, So like the, like the, safety clothing, safety what, what clothing, kind of yeah, safety yeah, like clothing work clothing. Or? Work clothing. And I, okay. in the beginning, I thought I was going to weave directly with that. Yeah, but it it didn't really work. It needed to sort of be translated. Okay, um, it became like too cartoonish to actually just have like workwear woven in. It didn't. It didn't work. It didn't you work. It, you, you you try everything and then you, but then I I also kind of translated that and the colors and the reflex uh, okay. like you have on the safety wear yeah there's a lot yeah of, there's yeah reflect yeah um, reflectors and neon so yellow and neon and yellow and orange in order to make that so you so i wove that in on the other end so that when you see these uh, textiles and they're quite large uh, and also very large scale pixels like the woven pixel is like two by two centimeters oh so okay. you actually so have this really, yeah are they like quite the open then? no they're they're quite dense okay and it looks like very large pixels and in in a way like the woven structure sort of becomes the the rock that's exploded because you can see that it's sort of blown to pieces wow okay um so the weaving itself sort of became the story about this that this mountain is sort of scattered it's, it's into actually pieces. destroyed but then also translating that into textiles and then weaving that together the only thing that actually came from the mine that I wove directly in okay. was this detonator thread. Okay, like, from the, like wire sort of? Or, the, it's it's or, sort of, it's a kind of wire. They're bright yellow, bright pink. Is, are they like a they're plastic hollow, coated? They're plastic. They're plastic okay. um, and they have been, they have been used so that they, but they are sort in of... In the blasting. In the blasting of yeah. dynamite in the, in the mountain. Yeah. You have these uh, plastic wires uh, okay. that sort of get blown up. And I wove them directly into the mountain. Okay. And when, like once, um, once you're done, like it's it becomes sort of a leftover uh, plastic waste that's sort of lying there between all the rock <laughs> that you then make. And they grow, don't you make gather it from, up, They really. don't gather it. No. You don't collect um, the leftover uh, waste they don't from from a mining project like like this because it's no. too expensive. Right. So they just leave it. Wow. So, but then we took some of it <laughs> and then wove it in into these uh, pieces so that then becomes the story of of this mining what it means to, to Im, gather resources embodied in, in cloth in, yeah or so it's sort of like a woven mountain and it makes sense when you see it wow. <laughs> i feel but th that's also a process you don't know until you do it so And um, you didn't go there, right? I, I, I no, went to a talk you gave and you actually I didn't, didn't go visit I didn't the mine. To, I didn't get to, to go That's amazing myself. that you could, yeah. But I did have a lot of objects from there. And, and then, surely a lot of photos as well. Yeah. yeah. Photo yeah. and videos. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. But that's also an amazing co-creative project. The scope of textile design goes far beyond simple craft, allowing an exploration of deeper topics like politics and culture. It deserves its place in the Danish design tradition. Data Mirror has ended, but it's not too late to see Rocks of Greenland at Design Museum Denmark in Copenhagen through April 2024. So if you're in Denmark, do stop by. Both Design Museum Denmark and Trapholt in Kolling will further whet your appetite for Danish design. 
And as you know by now, we are a kitchen company, so we always have to talk a bit about kitchens at the end. Suna Kims from the Danish Design Council told us a story about his personal evolution in the kitchen and how co-creation played a role in that. Um, I, I love to cook myself. Yeah. Uh, and and my personal evolution uh, has gone from like really preparing and standing in the kitchen for hours and hours to create this art piece <laughs> uh, and to kind of serve it and hope for some kind of applause right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and making it extremely stressful uh, yeah. and uh, totally and uh, pissing my family off <laughs> to uh, much more bring what you got and and uh, we will co-create this uh, dinner amazing uh, and and it's so much more fun and it always end up with the most amazing dinner. Uh, and you can put a theme to it. I've, I've invited some friends to let's make uh, spring rolls. None of us uh, are experienced in making spring rolls, <laughs> no. but let's, let's make spring rolls and let's Do you make, make them together in yeah, your kitchen or yeah. everybody brings some. No, no, we make no. them together yeah. and we make a lot and too much because then we can bring them back to our family. So we combine our different spring rolls. So okay. it's, so, uh, I, and, and kitchens have the opportunity and, and not at these kitchen islands to just gather around and co-create. Uh, so I think it's, um, it's an amazing platform for, uh, yeah, for doing something together that are extremely meaningful. <laughs> on right now, yes. <laughs> but also, in, also if in a bit longer perspective, the kitchen is in many homes the the central or the yeah. the center. Yeah. Uh, so so it just in its design invites you to gather around, talk, snack. Sure. It's a have, sociable. Have a drink. It's a social yeah. space, right? So so yeah. So I think that's. Uh, if you 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 wouldn't be able to do it in like old school kitchens. No, it's it's so that's abs absolutely the design of it. But it's also don't take yourself so fucking seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what a great note to end on! I love it. I love it. That's the perfect note to end on. Oh, amazing. I find co-creation to be one of the most exciting aspects of Danish design that we've explored so far, and I hope you do too. In fact, our next episode will also be about co-creation. And I definitely want to invite my friends over for a co-created dinner one day very soon, don't you? It seems like ideas are at their best and most surprising when you share them and when your own ideas mix with other people's ideas. In our next episode, we're going to talk about exactly that with furniture designer Lerke Ruam. Be sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out. And if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, we would be very grateful for that. And I have to leave you with another podcast recommendation. Back in our first episode, we mentioned that the most famous icon of Danish design, the Sydney Opera House, is turning 50 this year. The podcast Cautionary Tales did a recent episode on the whole saga of how Jörn Utzon's design was chosen and how it got built. 
I had no idea it was such a harrowing tale. Look for it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called A Chorus of Contempt at the Sydney Opera House, and it's in the Cautionary Tales feed. Thank you for listening. This episode of The Sociable Kitchen was produced by me, Julie Broberg, and sound engineer, Mauna Svel. We had some technical help from Monica Noctegall and Andrew Frame. Special thanks to everyone who appeared in this episode. Lisa Thompson from the Confederation of Danish Industry, textile artist Astrid Skipstel, and Suna Kims from the Danish Design Council. Additional recordings were done at Mastertone Studio in Copenhagen. Our logo was created by our own graphic designer and brand guardian, Hella Kroll. Our theme music was created for Kvik by Lucas Lunersko. Produced at Feedback Studio in the old meatpacking district near the harbor in Aarhus.